the mini break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, September 28th. Even though the action is happening at uncomfortable hours, all of us are still following the professional tour world as the Asian swing begins. We've got action this week in Tokyo and Ningbo on the women's side in Beijing and Astana for the men. What, of course, I want to do on today's podcast is recap the last 24 hours at the tour level. There are plenty of fun results for us to discuss on today's show. The quarterfinals in Tokyo, they've shaped up beautifully for tennis fans everywhere. We have some serious headline matches ahead of us this week, and I want to break down the last round of 16 results, preview those quarterfinals in Tokyo because it's players like Sviantek, Pagula, Garcia, Sakari and others that are certain to make the weekend fun for all of us to enjoy. So we're going to spend some time on Tokyo today. We'll talk Ningbo. Yes, top seed on Jabur is through, but things got a little dicey for some of our other seeds in the quarterfinals. It's a funky group of semifinalists outside of Jabur, headlined, of course, for us by former NC State All-American 19-year-old Diana Schneider. She wins a weird match against Petra Kvitova, still one of the biggest wins in her young career, further consolidating her top 100 spot. I want to remind all of you of what makes Schneider so promising moving forward. Again, recap all of our WTA action. We're just dipping our toes into the opening rounds of play in Beijing and Astana. Nothing too notable happening over the last 24 hours. I certainly thought that match between Alex Diemenauer and Dee Murray was thrilling. Diemenauer fighting off three uh, match points, one of them on Murray's serve to ultimately overcome a 5-2 deficit, advance 7-6 in the third. So yeah, I got some thoughts on that one from Beijing, but again, it will be One of the brisker, I suppose, mini-break podcasts of late as we still work our way into the week. Some serious headline matchups ahead. Of course, if you're looking for further updates on things happening in the tennis world, I'd point all of you first, and don't hit the skip button yet. You want to hear this plug. I'd point all of you first to the Cracked Interviews podcast. Why? Because it's not always we're joined by a recent slam champion. That was precisely the case this week as we were joined by current world number five doubles player, 2023 US Open champion Rajiv Ram to discuss all sorts of things. His run to that title, what happened for Team USA in Davis Cup, his thoughts on where Davis Cup sits more broadly in the current tennis ecosystem, how the game has changed during his career, how the technique has changed. I love Rajiv. Such a kind human, such a thoughtful human, such an intelligent human, and thus, it's always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with him. Go check that interview out. Check out the Great Shot Podcast. Check out everything we're throwing your way over on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, a shout out to West off, makes it all happen. Shout out to you. You continue to tune in. Thus, we're able to continue to create more content for all of you to enjoy. And then obviously we can draw in support from our sponsors like Tennis Point as well. And you all know the deal. Best equipment, best prices, one location, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. All right, let's talk last 24 hours in the tennis world. Let's start with Tokyo. Look, 
more than anything, it's about the road ahead, right? Most of our results in Tokyo yesterday, fairly straightforward. I believe three of our four matches, indeed three of our four, go straight sets. Was a good day for three of our top seeds. I guess our three top seeds in action. Let's start with Guadalajara champion Maria Sakari. For any player to make the transition from the elevation that you deal with, in Mexico, in Guadalajara specifically, how the ball flies off your racket to have to make a transition from that to anything in the course of a week going to be difficult that much more so when you win the title in Guadalajara and you have that much less time to acclimate yourself to the conditions, the time zones in Tokyo. Nevertheless, oh my God. I mean, Maria Sakari just never in doubt yesterday against Misaki Doi. Didn't face a single break point on her way to a 6-3-6-1 victory. Now, it is worth noting this was the 32-year-old's last singles match. She was a qualifier into the event, got a straight set win over Petra Martic, knocked out here by Sakari, got to play her final event in front of a home crowd. You could see how much it meant to her. Sakari, so graceful. So graceful, that's not the right word. So gracious, so so kind, so supportive, just listening when the camera closed in on what she was saying to Doi following that match, how it was an honor for her to be able to play in that last match against Doi. Could not have handled it with any more class than she did. Just, again, was exceptional on the court, was exceptional as soon as the match was over. Maria Sakari has my attention. She, of course, it's the final stretch of the season, but God, did she need that Guadalajara win. Get the haven't won a title in a long time monkey off of her back. There was just a freedom she was playing with. And yes, Doi didn't really have weapons to hurt her. It was the consistency with which she got into her plus one play, the consistency with which she drove the backhand to set up the aggressive forehand. Sakari was excellent yesterday. She's going to get a rematch against Caroline Garcia. Garcia, of course, knocked out by Sakari in the semifinals in Guadalajara in straight sets. Garcia overwhelming. And Helena Kalinina, 6-4, 6-3, 11th quarterfinal of the year for Caroline Garcia. Now, again, a lot of them have come at the 250 level in ways that Iga Sviantec's haven't and Coco Goff's haven't. And, you know, even now, you look at total quarterfinals here at the tour level in this 2023 season. This 11th quarterfinal ties her with, uh, excuse me, I said Iga. Well, Iga made the quarterfinals this week. So Iga, Sabalenka, Garcia. That's the list of players who have made 11 semi, uh, eleven quarterfinals excuse me, this season. Now, again, Igas and Sabalenkas are a little bit different because they've come at the biggest events. But I think I'm doing a 180 on the Caroline Garcia season. Garcia currently sitting at 20th in the points race. She's currently sitting at 10th in the lives ranking, uh, live rankings. Excuse me. You look total wins overall on the year. Caroline Garcia, top 10. She now has 35 wins here this season. Is it the headline sort of year you thought may be possible given the last six months she played to end last year? No. She had a top 20 season. And given the vacillations, the ups and downs, well, I don't know why I had to say two things that mean the same, but given some of the variants we've seen in her performance season in, season out, a Caroline Garcia, who after being a top 10 player, you know, stumbled out of those rankings, 27 and 27 in 2019, 21 and 24 in 2021. She steadied the ship in her late 20s. She's going to be a top 20 player for two consecutive seasons. And Again, that's just not easy to do. She's going to keep herself in the mix. Again, she's 3-2 and two for what it's worth in that career head-to-head against Sakari. It's very difficult to beat a player 
twice in a row in consecutive weeks. Garcia just overwhelmed Kalinina. It felt like every ball was into the body of Kalinina or had her on the stretch. And even when she did pop things up with great depth, Garcia just kept swinging freely again for Caroline Garcia in the match. Broken once when 79% of her first serve points fires off eight aces in the match. She was excellent. She was swinging freely. It's a really fun set of quarterfinals with, again, Sakri Garcia, each advancing. Kasat Kina, another quarterfinal for her straight set win over Papa Mikhail to set up a battle with Pagula. These are all top 20 players. Sakari, Garcia, Pagula, Kasakina. Actually, you look in the right live rankings right now. Those are all top 13 players. And, you know, again, they're going head-to-head. Quarterfinals, late September. Hard to ask for more as a tennis fan. I think Pagula is going to dust Kasakina. I just don't think Kasakina has the weapons to hurt her. And if you don't have a weapon to disrupt Jessica Pagula's rhythm, you're just not beating her. Yes, she lost to Madison Keys, but Madison Keys had the weapons to disrupt her rhythm in New York. Garcia Sakari is fascinating because you can see the way it's the pace of Caroline Garcia just doesn't allow Maria Sakari to get into her forehand freely, doesn't allow Maria Sakari time to impose her will. And Maria Sakari, good defensively, not elite, particularly when pressured with pace by that forehand wing, which Garcia is at that doing. But Sakari's just in such a great rhythm right now. I think her ba- uh, her weapons are just m- more in form, even if it's less relentless aggression from Sakari than you see from Garcia. You look at the tennis abstract number, Sakari is 61.8% favored. I think that feels right. I think Maria Sakari does advance. I saw nothing from her in this first performance to suggest any sort of wariness transitioning from week to week. Now, again, Garcia is a major step up from Misaki Doi. I'm going to take Sakari to get the back-to-back victories over Garcia, advance to a semifinal bout with Pagula. Your last winner on the day, shout out to Anastasia Pavlochenkova, just weathered the storm. And once she got that early break in the third set, and really once she got her second hold in the third set, you could just feel it was over as Pavlochenkova 6-3-4-6-6 love knocks off the talented teenager, Linda Noskova. I mean, considering the injuries for Pavs, it's been a solid year for the 32-year-old. Back up to number 72 in the live rankings. I mean, you look at the events she's played uh, so far this year. Quarterfinals, Roland Garros gets a win at the U.S. Open before a three-set loss to Svitolina. Now quarterfinals here in Tokyo. Again, she's played fewer than 25 matches, I think, so far this year. In fact, you look overall now, 17 and 13, excuse me, overall on the season. I forgot a couple of ITF events she's played. Back into the top 80 in 30 matches. Not too shabby for Pavs. Not too shabby, of course, that headline result being that quarterfinal at the at Roland Garros. Again, your top half quarterfinals, Iga versus Kudermatova, Iga Forno in the head-to-head. I don't see her losing that one. Pavs versus Ekat, Ekaterina Alexandrova is very fun. I just think the weapons of Alexandrova win out. I think Alexandrova Sviantek's a sneaky fun semifinals because of the way Alexandrova will pressure Iga. But I, and I think that'd be an exceptional championship weekend. Again, Iga versus Alexandrova, Sakari Pagula, or whatever permutation of matchups we get. We've got top 20 players and a former slam finalist in Pavlochenkova. And... Again, you got to set top 20, top 25 players with Alexandrova. It's a good spot to be in. Iga, 55.1% favorite according to the Tennis Abstract Singles Forecast. Pagula, 20.8%. 
you guys know my thoughts. I refuse to. If Iga's entered in the tournament, I'm picking her to win. And if someone beats her, even if it's Sapolanka, I'll still remain somewhat surprised. Those are your Tokyo thoughts. You move over to Ningbo, where the semifinals are now set. They're a day ahead. Look, the only seeded player, the only top 50 player still alive is on Jabur. Jabur surviving the Vera Zervanareva test. Now, Jabur was down 5-2 in the opening set. She comes back, takes that opening set, 7-5. She then drops the second set, 6-4. Ultimately, Jabur able to pull away, 6-1 in the third. You look for Jabur. Obviously, she made the semifinals at Wimbledon, but overall on the season now, she's made five semifinals. It's not too shabby. Adelaide, Charleston, Stuttgart, Wimbledon, Ningbo. I suppose the big takeaway is that only one of those events, a 1,000 level or higher. She's made eight different quarterfinals, though, this season. That's a top 10 number. In a year that's been defined by injuries and inconsistent play, Jabur still sitting at eight uh, in the points race, obviously sitting at seven in the live rankings as well. She's currently 380 points ahead of Maria Sakri. That said, Sakri playing the 500-level event to Jabur's 250. If Sakri wins another match, she's now uh, within 300 points of Jabur. That would mean the gap is more narrow than it was at the start of the week. I mean, Jabur is so heavily favored to win the title now, 78.2% according to Tennis Abstract. That said, even if she wins the title and Sakari gets knocked out by Garcia tomorrow, she's 550 points ahead of uh, Sakari at that point. There's still a runway of events to play that the race isn't over. I do feel pretty confident now. I, I know I said this in the past about Keys because I didn't anticipate the Sakari guadalajara run. Mistake by me. I think it's a two-person race for that final spot in the points race. It comes down to Jabur versus Sakari, especially with Keys not playing Tokyo this week. With Sakari's run of form, I think she can catch her. But again, for Jabur to get through that Zivana-Reva match, despite still not playing her best tennis, although the point she won hits a tweener and then a, and on the run, tracks down a drop shot to put away a forehand down the line. Always brilliant when you can win a point when you have to hit a tweener. She wasn't at her best. She still gets through. She's got a matchup with Nadia Podoroska. I think she's going to feast in. Although, again, credit to Nadia Podoroska, who's dealt with so many different injuries over the past couple of seasons. She is now firmly back in the top 100, back up to number 76 as a result of this run. Podoroska, 33-25 and 25 overall on the year. It's her now sixth semifinal of the season, uh, second at the tour level, both of them coming in the past couple of months. The physicality the 26-year-old brings match in, match out. The consistency she brings, sneaky, twitchy as well. But Jabur's just going to have time to get into her bag of tricks. I think this will be a rhythm match for Jabur. I think she pulls through. It's a massive opportunity on the bottom half of the draw. And for Linda Fruvertova, I said this yesterday. I'll say it again today. God, did she need this one. Again, had lost, what, 14, I believe, of 16 matches coming into Ningbo, now into her first semifinal of the season, you know, back into the top 100, back up to number 98 in the live rankings. Hopefully, if you're her, you stick there through the remainder of the week because if you do, you now find yourself back in Australian Open main draw. No need to play qualifying contention and a spot secured, obviously, if you're in the top 100. 
It's a massive week for Fruvertova for confidence purposes, for rankings purposes. She makes a semifinal. She's got a very winnable match. Look, it's a massive opportunity for Diana Schneider as well. Schneider knocking off a very inconsistent Petra Kvitova in three sets, 6 one four, six, six, three. Petra was particularly awful in set number one, if we're being honest. But Schneider's played 35 matches this year. And she's managed to sustain a top 100 ranking. She's actually up now to a new career high of number 70 overall. Of course, she made semifinals in Hamburg back in July. Now semifinals here in Ningbo. So again, second career tour-level semifinal, both coming as she's begun her full-time pro career. Got a win last week at the tour level in Guangzhou as well. And again, just picking up tour level wins. That's the big thing for Schneider, who, yes, has second round Australian Open points to defend to start the season. But after that, really has nothing to defend till April. So those first three months where she's going to be playing all tour level events, it's all free pickups for her. She absolutely can make a top 30 push. Win points were played and there were very few 10-shot or plus rallies in this match. What stands out is just how easily the ball explodes off of Schneider's racket. Now, she served wide to the Kvitova forehand too many times in set number two, and Kvitova was spanking that forehand return cross-court extraordinarily well. But when Schneider gets a free swing on the backhand, the ball is just coming off so fast with so much depth. Her forehand, obviously, so much action on the ball, not just pace, but topspin as well. She finds angles well. She pushes forward well. I love her first step. I think she continues to get better out as a mover. And again, given how well she moves on the clay, I think that forecasts well for her future as a hard court mover. I'm just in on Daishnai. One of now with Fruvertova back in the top 100, six teenagers in the active live top 100 of the WTA singles rankings. Again, for Fruvertova, it would be her uh, second tour-level final. She obviously won a title late last season in Chennai. For Schneider, it would be her first tour-level final. Massive opportunity for these two talented teenagers. That's your semifinal number two in Ningbo. In my opinion, the more uh, the more interesting of the two between those two and Jabir Podoroska. Jabir, 78.2% favorite to win the event. They say Schneider, 54.4% favorite over Fruvertova. Again, that's indicative of the Fruvertova struggles of late. And just to give you the official stat, because it will bother me. Otherwise, it was indeed. She had lost 14 of 16 coming into this week in Ningbo. It's tough, again, to rally from that to a semifinal. Big win for the 18-year-old. Fruvertova Schneider, Jabir Podoroska, Jabir, the heavy favorite to capture the title. That's where things stand on the women's side this week. You look at our two men's events, very little to talk about. Again, thus far, nothing particularly notable in my opinion. Certainly in Beijing, where we've only had four first-round matches Ugo Umber, 6-11, third over Sinego. Sinego played well. Umber was just striking the ball brilliantly, and I've talked about this all year long, but for a 25-year-old who fell outside the top 100 late last year, he's 34 in the live rankings. You look for Ugo Umber this season at the tour level, just the consistency He's brought back week in, week out. You look for him in first matches of events uh, so far this season, uh, 14 and 10 overall, but perhaps more impressively, he's now won nine of his last 12 first round matches. Just 
getting his groove back as he consolidates his top 50 spot. Again, this is a 1,000-level event in Beijing. You'll take the first-round wins when you can get him. He's now into the round of 16, where I believe a date with the winner of Cam Nori, Andre Rublev, awaits him. Echeverry survives three sets over Lloyd Harris. Echeverry is just good, man. Like, again, there's a lot of Casper Ruud to Tomas Martin Echeverry. When he has time to explode through the forehand, it's clearly his biggest weapon, but there's no clear deficiency in his game. Moves well, hits the backhand well, can slice well, decent enough as a volleyer. Lloyd Harris came out swinging. Lloyd Harris was bunting down on forehands, was moving forward whenever possible. Echeverry survived 6-3 in the third. Davidovich Fokina threw 2-2. Two and two. That match never particularly in doubt. And then Matteo Arnaldi, 2-2 two and two over J.J. Wolf. I thought that was a fun match. Uh, again, th- those are your most significant matches. Wait, I just watched Demon Hour play Andy Murray. Where? Uh, how am I missing that? Because that's not on the ATP list of results thus far. I apologize. I was looking at the wrong page. I was like, I know that match happened today. Leave that confusion in. That is the one match to discuss from the day in Beijing. Demon Hour from 5-2 and three match points down. 6-3-5-7-7-6-8-6 in the third set breaker. Now, two of those match points in Demon Hour's 2-5 service game. I believe 30-40 at a good serve down the tee. On a no-add point, it was a little bit longer. Murray missed a cross-court forehand. Um, but again, it was off of the Demon Hour serve. Andy Murray also had a match point up 6-5 in the breaker. On his own serve, he misses a plus-one cross-court forehand. Just went for a little bit too much. Look, this would have been an outstanding win for Murray, who was going after the ball, who was matching the physicality of Demon Hour, who was fine playing backhands cross-court for however uh, long as Demon Hour was willing to be patient. It's a very good win for the Demon, who, again, is top five in hard-court wins this season. Demon Hour right now sitting at number 12 in the live rankings. That's a career high for him. He's 11th in the points race, about 500 points behind Holger Runa, but... There are still two 1,000-level events and plenty of runway. Not plenty of runway, but enough runway to think Demon Hour, given it's all hard courts the rest of the way, is a sneaky, fun, long-shot candidate for that final spot at the Tour Finals. I mean, again, Andy got so mad. He got broken, I th- not at love, but I believe he got either broken at love or broken at 15-40. Played a horrible, broken at 15-40, a horrible 3-5 service game in that, 5-3 uh, service game in that third set. It was good to see Andy angry. Like, you just love that he still brings that passion. That's what I mean by that. The fire, the love he has for the sport, the love he has for competing, this one's going to hurt because, again, he had three match points on his racket. Should have broken at 5-2. It was that second match point in particular I think will be the one. Well, the third one as well because it was on his serve. Look, the demon escapes. And it's been, again, in what was, in my mind, a make-or-break season for the 24-year-old who had just been status quo 18-23 to 23 in the rankings for about three to four years consistently. He made a leap forward this year. Not a massive leap, but a clear leap forward. He was your final winner in Beijing. Again, five first-round matches in the books. Still plenty of fun ones on the horizon. You look at our round one battles coming up over the course of the next one or two days because there's no way they're playing all of them tomorrow. We'll just go through. 
Alcaraz Hanfman. Alcaraz got him good at the U.S. Open 1-0 lead. Hachinov Musetti, two top 25 players. Struf Rude, two top 30 players. Struf, a sneaky 3-0 in the career head-to-head there. Runa FAA, so many points to defend down the home stretch of the season for each of them. Dimitrov Mackey, fun. Two guys having good seasons. Nishika Shioka Shang, fun. Evan Sinner in. Zverev Schwartzman would have been fun if it was five years ago. Yari Tsitsipas, how does Stefanos handle the big weapons? 2-2 is the career head-to-head. Rublev Nori, 2-2 is the career head-to-head. Tommy Medvedev, those bottom two are first-round matches. That's crazy. Things are going to get fun in Beijing. And again, with the draw now filled out, I can confidently say Alcaraz a 37.2% favorite, Medvedev 17.1, Sinner 14.2. After that, they say to the rest of the field, good luck getting through. Again, three guys that have played very good ball from start to finish this season. That's Beijing in Astana. Most of our first round matches are now in the books. I believe we still have two to go. Paparin versus Korda, Fucevic versus Ofner. I mean, we had an upset. Hamad Medjedovic, the talented 20-year-old from Serbia who we've seen make a couple of two or quarterfinals. He's a big boy. Big serve, big weapons, big backswing. Overwhelmed Laszlo Jera in this slow, hard, uh, high-bouncing, hard-court conditions in Astana. Now, Jera, unfortunately, forced to retire due to injuries. Played a lot of tennis this year in what's been a very good season. But Medjedovic, one of the big upsets. How about Marcos Giron? 6-7-7-6-7-6 over Stan Wawrinka. Again, Giron just quietly, very quietly, top 100 player now for multiple seasons consecutively, given uh, the fact that he lost finals points from San Diego last season, that he's still in the top 100, sitting at 80 in the live rankings after this win. There's no doubt he's one of the 100 best players in the world. And, you know, again, he qualifies in Canada, makes a round of 16 there. Round of 16, Chengdu, now a shot at team after knocking off Wawrinka here in Astana. Riding the ship to end the season back on the hard courts. Very good win for Marcos. Tough loss for Stan. It was a very physical match. Stan's top 50 in the world right now. That's probably, he's. I think he's like 42-ish. Uh, that's probably where he belongs. Stan Wawrinka, 47 in the world. Yeah, that feels about right. Um, those were your two seeds knocked out. Team got a straight set win over my birthday brother, Juan Pablo Varias. Manorino win over Rinder Kanesh. Surprising given the conditions. Hatchmazov, Rodionov, Gerasimov, qualifiers who get wins. Borges from a match point down. He gets a 5-7-7-6-6-4. Come from behind victory over Mikhail Kukushkin. You could see how much it meant to our dear friend, the former Hell State, Hell State, Mississippi State All-American. And then how about Alexander Shevchenko? I'm still buying stock in Shevchenko, who's floated in and outside of the top 100. He's currently sitting at 85 right now, is the 22-year-old recently engaged to Anastasia Potapova. Shout out to him. He's had a ton of challenger success this season. Three different challenger finals, two different challenger titles. That's how you consolidate it. With with ATP success sprinkled in, round of 16 in D.C., round of 16 in Bostad of late that's how you consolidate a top 100 position. 22-year-old is in striking range. He has real weapons, fluid mover. The technique is weird, but again, he explodes through everything so well. Just Botic could not put a point away against him. Tough conditions for Botic's skill set. Perfect conditions for the big backswings of Shevchenko. He's got Medvedevich next. 
I think he beats Medvedevich. I think we could very well see Alexander Shevchenko in the quarterfinals this week in Astana. And should he make those quarterfinals, I believe that would be his first tour-level quarterfinal of his career. So that I guess that would be milestone watch for this week. A bunch of guys with opportunities, though, for qualifiers through to the round of 16. Uh, Baez, Griekspor, Lachetschka. Top seeds all yet to begin their week against Sebastian Corda, yet to begin his week as well. So still plenty of things to watch for in Astana as that action gets underway right now. Greek, uh, excuse me, Lachetschka, 24.2%. He's the favorite. After that, you've got Manorino, 15.7. Greek Spore, 15.5. Baez, 10.1. Sebi Corda, 7.7. But he and Greek Spore are in the same quarter of the draw. Perhaps that's why they're both a little bit lower in the tennis abstract singles forecast. That said, again, it's early in the week. There are plenty of things that I anticipate we will discuss tomorrow. I do hope to have podcasts for all of you this weekend, particularly given how fascinated I am by the quarterfinals in Charleston. Ethan Quinn, the NCAA singles champion this year for the Division One men. Finally, after a really rough summer, he had lost seven consecutive matches. Wins over Galarno, Mayo this week. He's into the quarterfinals in Charleston. Our guy, Oliver Crawford, a quarterfinalist. Stefan Destanich, a quarterfinalist. Dennis Kudla, Adam Walton, quarterfinalist. Ryan Penniston into another quarterfinal. Abdullah Shelby, Ernesto Escobedo. Here are the chips. I'm pushing them all in. We're doing Charleston first to start tomorrow because I'm watching all of those battles. I'm locked in. You should be as well. That's the update. And by the way, that's happening if you're in North America or on the in the Western Hemisphere. Reasonable hours for that Charleston Challenger action. So that's what you should be watching most closely this week. I got a bunch of texts I clearly have to send uh, as soon as I wrap this recording. And before I do, as always, I got to give a shout out to our guy, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Shout Shout out to him. Shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for the fantastic super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.